0: Man, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna say Jesus made a mistake, um, but that was his opportunity to come back right there, wasn't it, huh? Wow. Hey, thanks for being here. Before I uh, teach, I wanna go through a few things that are going um, coming up in the life of the body here, the church family. And I just kinda wanna throw my voice behind those and encourage you uh, to be a part of those if you can. Uh, pretty big things coming up May 9, which is a couple weeks from now, it's on Tuesday night. Uh, there's some stuff happening on May 9th I want you to be aware of. Uh, we're gonna start posting again that evening our Revelation uh, online Bible study. So they're gonna be available starting on May 9th, and uh, that'll go for a few weeks, so you wanna mark that damn. Uh, they actually get posted on Tuesday night every week at 7 o'clock, and you'll have to watch them right then. They're available all the time, but if you want to get there right when they post, it's Tuesday at 7 o'clock, starting on May 9th, so it's kind of a big day to us. And then also on May 9th is our next Pathway program, and I just want to encourage you to be a part of that. I want to give you a lot of encouragement of why you should. Uh, A meal starts at 6 o'clock, won't cost you a dime, and it comes from uh, JC's... Fried chicken free in the house, okay? Now, come on. I know what y'all eating at night but it's happening here okay and uh, when you get into the revelation study you'll find out that when we get to heaven there are going to be uh, little uh, uh, side counters on every corner in heaven that have jC's fried chicken so we're just we're just getting going here okay so we'll start at six o'clock on May 9th and uh, if you've never been baptized you want to learn about it there's a class for that it's called first point and I want to encourage you to be a part of that if you are not a member of our church and uh, you found, man, this is kind of where I want to be. That happens at First Point. So I want to encourage you to, to be a part of that at that class. By the way, if you were baptized at Easter, we had a lot of people who were baptized, we want you to come back to First Point and become a member there. That's when that happens on, on Pathway. If you want to be a part of a volunteer ministry, we got a class for that. It's called Second Point. You want to be part of a life group where you got some group of people get to know each other and kind of live life together, that happens in a class we've got called Third Point. You want to learn how to read the Bible, that happens in a class in Pathway called Fourth Point. So there's all kinds of reasons uh, to come to Pathway. And so if the, the chicken or all those classes won't do it, uh, we will take care of your children for free, okay? Free childcare. Now, we're not talking about your 32-year-old kid, but but your young kids, we will take care of them free. And we just hope that you'll come, okay? So May 9th, uh, get on our website or our app and register and come on out and be a part of that. It's just God has used that. Uh, beyond anything we ever imagined in our church. And I hope you just come out and be a part of that. And then I also want you to kind of get a little bit of an update on our renovation project that we're having here at our church called Home Improvement. And so what's kind of going on with that, uh, the wall area behind us, Uh, That's where we had all of our damage. All that damage has now been repaired. Uh, That happened on Christmas Day. We've got it all repaired. And um, most of the painting is all done back there. We focused on that area back there first because that is our staff offices. That's where our staff work. And so we've been displaced since Christmas. And so it's really been kind of crazy for us to get our work done. And so we want that done first. So almost all the painting is done. Probably about a third of the flooring is done. So it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be all done uh, here in a few weeks, we hope. And we have started to move into this part of the building, and you'll notice that we've done some painting in here. We have new sound panels. We're doing some renovation out of our commons area. It's just going to be a beautiful, um, that out there is going to be our family room. Okay, that's what that's gonna be. And it's just gonna be gorgeous. And so the work is going on really well. Uh, We're on project with that on time. Uh, When we hit the summer months, we'll start going outside and doing some of our exterior work and some things in the parking lot. And so it's just, everything's just been going exactly how we want it to uh, so far. We're still staying within our budget of about $850,000. And sometimes things come up you didn't realize that has not happened. God is a favor on that, so we've stayed within that. And if you followed us, you know we already have 700,000 of that, okay? So we're in great shape. And so the first week in June is when we'll take our offering of $150,000 as our goal. And so I want you to be thinking about that. We can do this with God's help, but it's going to take our whole family. It's going to take all of us. And I want you to be thinking about that. I want you to plan for that. I want you to pray over it. I want you to realize that it is above and beyond our regular giving, okay? So whatever your regular giving is, this is in addition to that. It's very, very important. And that means it's probably gonna be sacrificial for a lot of us. Uh, For my family, it's a sacrificial thing, okay? Okay. And so you might have to not do something in order to give to this. You might have to dig into an account somewhere to be able to, to be a part of that. But this is a good thing for a church to have a challenge like that. And so that's coming up. First week in June, we'll talk about it a little bit more when we actually start giving for that. And then we're just gonna give God the glory for it. And it's just gonna be fantastic. And we just can't wait. It's an exciting, happy, wonderful time in our church. So mark those things a couple down in your head. Uh, May 9th, those two things happening and then our home improvement project. Now, with all that out, out of the way, we're gonna jump into our, our teaching series again um, this, this weekend, and we're doing, as you know, uh, this series called Parenting Isn't for Sissies. And uh, I just absolutely love that graphic. I wanna give a shout out to Sarah Morton. She does all our, our screen work for us, and she showed that to me when, when we started this idea, and I said, man, that is perfect, because sometimes I'm this guy, and sometimes I'm this guy, this guy, and sometimes I'm that guy. So the whole idea of parenting isn't for sissies. I just write down the line of what we wanted to talk about, and so what we've done with the series, as many of you know who've been here, is we've talked about different uh, stages of parenting, and so we kind of broke it down into these these ideas. And so we started with the little years when the kids were just real little before they went to school. And uh, we started our service, our, our series off that. And then last week, John taught us about the student years when the kids go to school. And, um, and I was able to watch that online. And man, I hope you were here. Or you watch it online, because John just, man, there were so many strong quotes that, I, that were a part of that, that if you got kids in the student year, man, you gotta watch that. And I just think he knocked it out of the park and did an incredible job. And next year, or next weekend, we're gonna talk about the senior adult years, where the tables flip, and now you're caring for your parents. And I know a lot of us are there, um, a lot of us have been through that, and that's been on my mind uh, for a few weeks talking about that. And man, I just, I just want you to hear. I want you to be here and be a part of that. But today, we're at this part where we're talking about the young adult years. And when I talk about young adult years, I'm talking about homes where maybe kids uh, get to the point maybe around high school age, somewhere around there, the later high school years and, and then into college. And so the young adult years are when the kids start to move out of the house and it it just extends on for a long time. And so those kids then will maybe get a job and maybe have a family of their own and get married and have kids. And so it kind of begins around college-type years, but it goes on uh, for quite a long time. And as I, I thought about that season of the young adult years, it began to, to dawn on me that there's probably more of us in this season than any of the other seasons. Because if we looked at everybody in the room right now, most of the people in this room are either the parent of an empty nest, or you are the bird that flew the coop, or you're both of those. And if you think about it in those terms, most people in this room are right there in that section, that stage of life in one way or the other and i have found the key to all of this whether we're talking about up here at the top or all the way what we talk about next next week and that is to understand the season of life that you happen to be in because the season that you're in dictates how you handle the role of parenting and that's what i'd like to really be settled on you today is the way that we parent depends upon what season we find ourselves in. And you've gotta always be aware of that, that seasons change seasons of life that we live. Um, This last week I had an opportunity to hang out with um, my uh, my Florida family, and I spent a little time with my four-year-old grandson, and I found out, you know, we got about 60 years difference between us, and I had a couple things happen that reminded me, almost like a slap in the face, that he and I aren't in the same season of life. We're just not. And so we went to a restaurant uh, one day, and we were walking in, and I, he, he was with me, and I was holding his hand, and I said, but let's go to the bathroom before we go have, uh, before we go have lunch. And he said, I don't got to go. And I said I know you don't got to go, but let's, you know, let's do let's go ahead and try it and get it out of the way and we we'll have to have we don't have to interrupt lunch or anything. He goes, I don't got to go. I ain't got to go. I said, I know you don't got to go, but let's let's give this a shot. I ain't got to go. So I, I drug him in there and he started to get an attitude about it and everything. And so we go into the restroom and uh, I'm sorry if this is inappropriate, but you know, just deal with it. So we walk in there and there's a couple of urinals there and I walk up to one and he's about four feet away, four or five feet away. And he's throwing a fit. I ain't got to go. I ain't got to go. And I said, Come on, just at least try. And so in protest, he drops his drawers right there and begins to do what he needs to do from about five feet away, direct shot, man. (laughs) Impressive, okay, absolutely impressive. And I'm standing up here at my place, you know, and you guys, my age, you know we got one goal, dry feet. That's the only goal (laughs) that we have, okay. And I realized we ain't in the same season of life, man. We are not in the same season of life. Later that day, he kind of reminded me of it again. Um, I just don't sleep well, man. I am not a good sleeper. I have a terrible time falling asleep. My mind just kind of goes and I just have a really hard time falling asleep. And uh, later that day, I could tell he was getting a little tired and he went shopping uh, with the ladies and uh, they got to a store and they took a picture of him and sent it back to me. And I think I brought, brought a picture. He's in the, he's in the cart, uh, falling asleep. And then I want to show you another picture of the same thing. And uh, he's, he's in the shopping cart with his nose stuck in one of those holes, knocked out cold, okay? You give me the best mattress in the world and the most comfortable uh, pillow and I'm tossing and turning for two hours. But this dude falls in a shopping cart and falls asleep. We ain't in the same season. Alive, okay, and so when you think about parenting, it works that way too. That parenting, the secret is to know which, which season you're in. That's very important because the season you're in dictates the way you parent. I want you to hear that when you discover the season that tells you how to parent. Now, I brought kind of a visual example of this for you, and I want to show you this. I've, I've talked to some people about this individually through the years. So you might be somebody that I've encouraged you to do this. So I've got, I've got this jar here, and there are 936 peanut m ms in this jar. And so when you bring a baby home from the hospital, and let's just say from day one, and then you got them until they're 18 years old, what that is is 936 weeks that you have that child to pour everything you have in that child. And so I've encouraged people to do something like this. And and really the best way to do it is with marbles, okay? Um, but I got to thinking, what am I going to do with marbles on Monday, okay? Y'all see where I'm going? So I got, I got 936 here. And so every week, Of that child's life, you take one of those marbles or peanut M&Ms, take them out, okay? And that's the season of life that some people are in when you bring a baby home. Now now watch what happens here. Let me show you something. I'm gonna go back here. I'm gonna get a different jar. And when you get your child ready for middle school, you now are down to 312 peanut M&Ms. And that's kind of shocking, isn't it? That's all you got left. Now, let me shock you a little bit more. You remember all those uh, first day pictures you take when the kids go to school? And you remember the last first day when they head to their senior year? This is what you're down to. You got 52 left. You have 52 weeks to teach them everything you haven't taught them yet. That's a different season. Now now watch what happens here. Watch what happens when they leave the house and you ask yourself, are my parenting days over? And the answer to that is no. In fact, I want you to hear this. You will spend more time years-wise with this jar than you did any of the others. This will occupy more of your life. And so the trick is to know what season I'm in. And what we're talking about today when we gather on this weekend is how do I parent when the jar's empty? How do you parent there? And the thing that I I want you to hear and want it to resonate with you is that you do not parent with an empty jar the way you parented when your jar had marbles in it. It's a different season that you're in. And I want to kind of give some things today that I think from the heartbeat of the Bible will give us some encouragement about how do I go about this? How do I do this according to what God teaches me in his word? And the reality is almost everybody in the room, this is where you're at. You're either at the empty nest or you left the nest. And you might be in both of those right now. And so I'd like to zero our attention on two verses of scripture from the book of Proverbs that are very, very healthy and very, very helpful in a setting like what we're talking about today. So I'm going to go to chapter one in the book of Proverbs, and I want to read for you two verses, the eighth and ninth verse, and I want to talk about this a little bit, and then I want to apply it to uh, what we're dealing with in our topic today. So the author writes this. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Now, what I want to do is I want to play with this for a little bit and I want you just to be a student with me and I want you to think for a few seconds and I I promise you we're going to bring some application to this. But I, I want you to see how... This particular section ends because what it talks about is for an individual to arrive at a point in their life where there is favor on them. And so he talks about it in the sense of garland that is gracing your head, and the idea is victory a victor's garland around their head, a wreath around their head, and then a chain, a necklace that adorns your neck in beauty. And what, what the author is trying to present is what would it be like for somebody to live a life that it just looked like favor is dripping all over you. Where you look at somebody and say, dude, man, you got it going, man. Life is just working for you. It's just happening for you. And that's kind of the general nature of what this world, you got the world by the tail, man. Things are falling in place for you. And we all know people like that. We know people in our life, and man, it's just happening for them. And a lot of us are jealous of them. Man, I'd like to have a life like that. And what this passage is talking about early on, it's talking about how do you get a person to that point in their life? And what the proverb tells us is here's how how it happens. Here's how it happens. It it happens more than likely. Remember that. I talked about that in the first verse, in the first uh, series of the message of this, is, is proverbs are not promises, they are a prognosis. In other words what they're saying is more than likely this will happen. And so how do I get a how do I get a person at that level of life where man it's just raining favor in their life? Here's how it happens. Do not ignore your father's instruction and your mother's teaching. You pay attention to your dad and your mom at what they teach you and the chances are that life is really going to turn out well for you. And that's what that verse says. Now, I want you to think with me for a second because I want to dive into it a little bit before we before we study it too much. There, um, there are some Bible scholars who take this approach and they look at this and say that's really not talking about family. That's just kind of a general statement of relationships that we have in life where there's kind of a mentor and a mentee. It might be a coach and a player. It might be a teacher in school and their student. It might be be, um, somebody who's just kind of a a representative of of some important thing in your life and they have influence in you. And so they kind of look at this verse and say, this is just kind of a general statement about life is that we ought to learn. Learn from people, and if we learn from people, our life's probably going to be better. And that's kind of generally what it's talking about. Now, I, I want you to know that I don't think that's what that verse says at all. I think those 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 apparent scholars who say that, I think they are completely wrong because I think the whole gist of this is about the family. It's about the home. And, and here's some reasons why I think that way. Notice that he says fathers and mothers. If it was just, okay, we're talking about you having mentors in your life, it, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't mention both of those roles. He then went on and got specific with the roles. When it talks about the mothers, Teaching, that word right there, is a word that means basically, okay, here's how you do this, and here's how you do this, and here's how you do this. And when it talks about the Father's instruction, that word means, okay, here's what's going to happen to you if you don't do this, if you don't do that. And so John was right last week when he said, for the most part, us dads are usually the hammer, okay? And that's exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about a family setting where parents teach what's right, what's wrong, here's how you do this, here's how you do that, and there are consequences involved in that. And so it is obvious that he's talking about the family setting. Now watch this. Let me, let me get a little bit deeper. From this point on in the first chapter, all the way through the 31st chapter, we now have all these Proverbs about things that parents will teach and most of those proverbs are related to things about life that directly affect young adults it's incredible when you open up the book of proverbs and start reading through it faithfulness in marriage, wisdom in managing money, being a good example at work. Most of the Proverbs are not things we're gonna to teach to two-year-olds. They're things we're gonna to teach to 22-year-olds and 32-year-olds. And so what I'm saying is that even after the kids leave the house, even after the jar is empty, even after the family is now at an empty nest, you have Significant influence In the life of your kids Significant And if you want to be technical about it The passage is really Addressed to the young adult It's really not addressed To the parents And so if you're on your own Okay And a whole lot of us here are on our own Okay we're out of the coop We're out of there If you got out of there I want you to hear this You got your own thing on The favor of your life may very well come down to whether or not you allowed your parents to have influence in your life. That's the point of that parable. And so you take all that and you say, okay, how can I do that? How can I influence my young adult children? How can I influence my children who are out of my house, whether they're 21 or 31 or 51, How can I have influence in those kids' life? How can I do that so that they can have lives of favor? What do I do? The key is to know the season you're in. And when you understand that's the season I'm in, you start to realize that you have to parent differently now. You can't parent the same way when they were in the home. And so I'm gonna show you some transitions that have to happen if you parent with an empty jar. And what happens is that you hit seasons of your life where a transition happens. Okay, I gotta do this differently now. And it's not a line in the sand. I wish it were. I wish you would say, at their 19th birthday, you start doing this. Doesn't happen that way. You phase into these transitions. This is very important for you to hear this. There's not a magic line. It probably begins high school, college, but the transitions that I'm gonna show you, they may happen for years and years, but you have to make these transitional changes. And if you don't make those transitional changes, you're not gonna be able to influence your kids to have favor in their life. So there's all kinds of those transitions, and I just wanna tease you today with a few for you to think about and then go home and uh, stay up all night thinking about it like I probably will, okay? So let me show you uh, just a few of them to play with. I wanna to talk to you about the transition of authority. And so you are the authority as a parent. And when you hit the young adult stage and they're moving out of your house and they're life on their own, got their own family, you must learn this transition. Less commanding and more advising. That's very important that you understand that. And I wanna say this real quick, if you are an in charge, if you are a bull in a china shop, if you're a control type person, this is going to be hard for you to do. It's gonna be very hard for you to do. But if you don't do it, you know how I've teased you before where I've said, okay, this is the most important thing I got right here, okay? This is the most important thing I'm going to say to you right now, okay, for about the next four minutes, then I got some other (laughs) stuff, but I want you to hear this because this is gold, and and I, I hope you hear it because there are so many of us parents who miss this, and it negatively affects the favor of our kids. You have to get this right. So let me, let me show you in a couple ways, I want you to see it. This is gold, okay, this is, this is free of charge, so check this out. When your children are in the nest, pay attention to this, when your children are home in the nest, your role is commander more than advisor. If you advise more than command, they will tend to ignore your advice. And so if you're a softy, I want you to hear this. Your role in their home is to command them. It's not to advise them. You don't advise a 5-year-old. You know? I think it might be probably a good idea that you would think about going to bed right now. You don't advise 5-year-old children. Your role is to command them. And if you turn that around, what will happen is they will ignore your advice. That's exactly what will happen. Now, watch this. This is gold. This is gold. Let's flip this around. Look at this. When your children are out of the nest, your role is advisor more than commander. Now, watch. If you command more than advise, they will tend to ignore your command. That is incredibly important to learn. If I want favor on my child's life who's out of the home on their own, doing their own thing, you have to learn that particular thing. I want you to know, man, I, I, I struggled with that a little bit. The trick is to know the season that you're in. The trick is to know that season. And this is the season in which you learn this whole concept of changing from commander to advising. I, uh, I've struggled with this a little bit. I, I remember the day in which um, we took our firstborn son uh, to college. And some of y'all done that. And that's brutal, isn't it? And you kind of get an amen in the house. It is brutal. And so you drive to wherever they're going to spend all your money, and you go there, and you 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 do the tour, and you put them all in the room and the dorm and all that good stuff. And so this was our first experience with this. And, And so we did that all day long, and then they had this great big meeting in a room like this with all the parents and all the freshman kids, and they gave us kind of an orientation. And then the leader that stood up, and I can can remember it like I was there yesterday. They said this, okay, parents, um, we need you now to leave. And they said, we're going to go through some things with your sons and your daughters and make some decisions about how they're going to do things here on the campus, uh, but we don't need you to be a part of that. And they said this, you've got 30 minutes to be out of here. Now I'm control in charge and I'm thinking there, I've, I've taught this kid how to brush his teeth for 18 years. I have earned the right to be here to talk about whatever you are all going to talk about. And the reality is, not anymore. Not anymore. Because now my role was advisor. And I've given parents that encouragement through the years. I've, I've done a little thing that I've, I've shared with people uh, who are getting at that point where your kids are going to take off and they're going to be on their own, and um, I've advised them that that you will go from commander in chief to helpful advisor. And here's a metaphor that you can use. And we we actually had something like this in our family. If one of my kids was 16 year olds in my house and they just got their first high paying job at McDonald's and they come home one day and they say, Dad. Um, I'm gonna buy a brand new Corvette. I found it, this guy's gonna give me nine years to pay it off, I'm gonna get a couple extra shifts at McDonald's, it's gonna be gay. Here's how I would handle him at 16 years old. No you're not and don't talk to me about it anymore. It's over, because I'm commander in chief. But what would I do if they were 32 and made that call? Hey dad, I'm gonna buy this Corvette. Well now I'm gonna ask questions. To make sure that they have thought through different aspects of making a purchase like that. I'm not, I'm not a commander, I'm an advisor. I want you to think about that in your particular situation. That is a slow transition. It's not a line that all of a sudden you change, but you will get to that point in your life. And if you don't make that transition, they will resent your commands. And I don't know who that is gonna apply to this weekend, but there are gonna be adult parents in this room with adult children who are gonna hear that, and it's gonna be a light come on and say, that's why my kids are always mad at me, because you're commanding rather than advising. You've gotta make that change. Let me show you another transition. Um, This is a powerful one, transition of input. And what I mean by that is if I'm an advisor now when do I advise? When do I give my input? And I wanna be super transparent with you about this because I'm not good at this and I've, I've learned it the hard way. Um, there's a part of us that we're gonna give our input when we notice it, okay? You need to know something. And the reality is you gotta make a transition and you don't offer that input when you notice it. You offer that input when it is requested and that's a big change. I'm not good at that. I don't know why, um, I'm gonna just blame my dad on it. I don't know what the reason for, you gotta blame somebody, but I'm, I'm not very good at that. I, I think a lot of us can think about moments in our life where there was, it was almost like a stake was driven in the ground and it was a pivotal moment for you And so there was a time in which I realized this. Somebody brought this up to my attention. And I have become way better at it than what I used to be. But I think it's in my DNA. I've got to wrestle with it. But I was in an elders meeting in a church I served a long, long time ago. And I have no idea what we were talking about. I, I have no concept of remembering that at all. But I remember I was talking about something. And one of the elders, who happened to be a friend of mine, interrupted me. And he said this and I can quote it three decades later. He said this, Dave, you have an opinion about everything. Now I wasn't sure exactly what he meant by that and so after the meeting, we hung out and I said, man, what'd what'd you mean by that? And we had a conversation about that and the issue wasn't that I had an opinion about everything. It was that I felt compelled to tell people what that opinion was. There wasn't anything that would stop it. There was no filter holding it back. And that conversation was a light bulb moment for me. And now I I think today I'm a better pastor, I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm a better friend because I've learned that input does not always have to be given. And that is incredibly important for moms and dads When you have children who become young adults and they become adult children themselves and you get to the point where you realize that you cannot give your opinion all the time. You remember the show Everybody Loves Raymond? Anybody remember that? Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you, huh? The producer made millions of dollars making fun of Marie who didn't have a filter. And she had a comment about everything. She'd blurt her opinion about every single thing going on. And what was she doing? She gave input, she gave advice when it was noticed, when she saw it, rather than when somebody asked her about it. There's a commercial right now I've seen several times on TV, and I can't remember what it's for. I think it's insurance, but I'm, I'm not really sure. But you probably have seen it, and it's about a young couple who just bought a, a brand new home, beautiful home. And they have several of this guy's aunts, for some reason, came for the weekend. I don't know why you'd have all your aunts show up, but all the aunts were missing filters, and they were just going around blurting their opinion about everything. And you might remember one of the ants going up to one of the tables and looking at dust and goes, pretty big house to keep clean. And so what you're doing is you are offering input that is unsolicited. When our kids are in the house, every time we notice that they need our opinion, it is our responsibility to give that opinion to them. But the older they get, that transition needs to move to when they ask for it. Now are there exceptions to that? Well yes, there are exceptions to that. I I could, I wouldn't give details, but I, I could tell you sometimes with all three of my adult children where I notice something, that I just felt that's at a point where I gotta say something. And so I might have said something like, hey, you didn't ask me what I think about this, and you might think it's none of my business, but I'm not gonna sleep until I can tell you something. And if I overstep that, and I do that all the time, listen to this, they don't request my input. And so you've gotta learn that as a parent that that's a significant transition. Remember the theme of this passage. Remember what the proverb is telling us. How do I get my kids to where there is favor on their life? How can that happen? That'll happen when they hear me, when they listen to me. So how I do that when they're out there doing their own thing. You learn to respond and wait when it is requested. Now, I want to say something to the adult children whose parents are still alive, and I'm not one of them anymore, but a whole lot of you are, and you might be 18 and you might be 48, and you got parents who are still alive and whose minds are still thinking, and I want you to hear me on this. Your parents have walked around the block a few more times than you have. And I understand the pull of independence. I understand, man, I want to prove myself. But one of the greatest gifts you can give your parents is to ask their opinion about something. I took a piece of paper when I wrote this sermon. I just wrote this over on a scrap piece of paper. I wrote down the things that I remember, the occasions I remember, when my boys called me. I said, Dad, what do you think about this? What do you think I ought to do here? and I wrote a few relationship issues, and I wrote some financial things, and I wrote some house and car repair, and I wrote a couple things about raising kids, and those requests, listen to this, those requests meant the world to me. Am I right? They meant everything to me. And I think they made better decisions because they talked to me first. Am I right, huh? Now, I'm going to say this. I'm going to try to say this without crying. if I won't be able to. There's going to be a day when they won't be there to call. I had an electrical question the other day that I would have paid $1,000 to call my dad about. So parents... As much as you can, use the filter until you're And adult kids, ask more. Ask more. Let me show you one more transition. This is a big one. The transition of communication. And what I mean by that, I'm going to explain this, is learn to go from keeping track to keeping in touch. There's a difference there. I did a lot of reading over the last few weeks about each one of these seasons that we're in. And one of the things that just kept coming back in a lot of the material that I read when the, when the empty nest happens and the kids are on their own and, and now, you know, now they're 30 and now they're 40. And one of the things that it talked about for parents is make sure that you maintain communication. Make sure you maintain communication. Now, the problem with that is the communication has to change. There's a change in it. And some of you are really good about that. I know some of your stories about communication with your adult children, it's fantastic. And and some of you struggle with this a little bit. But there's got to be a transition in how you go about that. I saw that last week at a ballpark. I, I saw it Perfectly. I was sitting at this little ballpark, and I noticed this lady, I don't know her from anybody, but she's got a a kid out on the ball field, and then she's got a smaller kid who's out running around doing whatever he's trying to do. And uh, she said to her smaller kid, who was over by this playground, she looked at him and she said, stay right there so I can see you at all times. And I I totally get that. I, I understand all of that. It makes all the sense in the world. It's her responsibility to keep track of that child's every move. Now, when that child gets older and starts life as an adult, that can't happen anymore. Communication has to be less frequent. It has to be more keeping in touch than keeping check. And some parents struggle with that a little bit. And your expectation is that you can keep check. You know everything going on. If you've ever said this, I didn't know y'all went to the mall yesterday. Now, half you mamas want to throw an apple at me right now, don't you, huh? I didn't know Billy had a cold I'm not going to say that one on Sunday because my wife's going to be here on that day. Okay, I'm not going to say that because your responsibility is not to keep check. Now, now if you need to say, I didn't know y'all had another kid. Okay, we got a problem, all right? <laughs> uh, when did y'all move to California? I didn't know any of that. That's another problem. But you got to be careful. Your role is not to keep check. It's to keep in touch. I was through Netflix uh, the other day trying to find some kind of movie to watch while I was on the treadmill. So I don't think about having a heart attack. I watched, And so you're going through all these, you know, all these thousands of things you can watch. And there was this, this I don't know if it's a series or a movie or what, but it came up. And just because I mentioned it, I'm not saying go watch it. Okay, I know nothing about it. Maybe the worst thing in the world might be the greatest. I have no idea. But the title caught my attention. The title of it is (laughs) Smother-in-Law. Now, a lot of y'all got a face in your mind right now, okay? And the title hints of someone who needs to keep check, not keep in touch. And you got to make a transition. Transition you got to figure that out. i got a son that lives about an hour and a half away. And um, we gave up keeping a check on him a long, long time ago. And to be totally honest, we probably went too far. And he called me one day, um, not long ago, and he said, Hey, can we meet for coffee halfway? And so we picked a day, and we picked a spot, and... Um, I'm driving there, and some of y'all had those phone calls for, and your mind's going crazy, isn't it? What in the world is this about? And so we sit down, and I kind of bring it up, you know, hey, good to see you, what's, what's, what's up? And he said, I just am at a point in my life where I want to have a little more time with my dad, just talk about life. And he's extremely busy raising his own family and running his own company, and I'm extremely busy as a pastor of a large church, and we don't live in the same town, and it's just really easy not to keep in touch as much as we should. And so we said, we're gonna pick a day every month, and we're gonna get up insanely early, and we're jumping our cars, and we're gonna meet in the middle of a coffee shop, and we're going to talk about life for an hour or so. And then we're going to go back home and get to our jobs early in the morning. And it's my favorite day of the month. And the thing I hate about it most is that it was his idea, wasn't mine. If you want to maintain influence with your adult children, um, you can't keep track. But you have to keep in touch let me give you one more thing, and, and we'll, we'll get out of here. I'm past time. <laughs> when has that ever? Uh, oh, that was beautiful. That was anointed is what that was. <laughs> um, I was reading through the Bible the other day, and I just happened to come across, I didn't intend for it, a great example of being a, a parent of a young adult child. And I thought, wow, that's it. And it was a story about Jesus and his 12 disciples. Actually, there were 11, okay, because uh, Judas had already done his thing, so he's out of the picture. So Jesus and the 11 who's left. And, um, and Jesus kind of looks at these guys, and this is after the resurrection. In fact, it's the day Jesus goes back up into heaven, okay? And he looks at these guys, and man, he's, he spent three years with them, he gave him everything he knew. Everything they could take. He's he's done it all. The job's over. And he's about to take off, and he says, Here's what I want from you. And you've heard it, okay? This is what he said to him. He said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. I've commanded you, man. That's a that's a big deal. That's a big job. Go in, go go, reach the world. But look how he ended it. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And here's what he said to him: I am always here for you. And that's the example for every parent of adult children, I will always be here for you. Father, I thank you um, for the beauty of the home, the family. I thank you for a room of people right now who love their kids and they love their moms and dads more than life itself. But sometimes it's just hard to do whatever we gotta do to make it all work. And I just wanna ask for an anointing upon the things we've talked about in the last several minutes. That there's some people in this room, there's some people online, wherever they're at, that they heard a thing or two that would pour favor into their life of their children. Would your Holy Spirit make that happen, and I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.